Welcome back. It's another episode, another installment of the Bench Mob Podcast, your podcast for sports and pop culture talk from your everyday regular people that you could relate to. Me, Miles, I'm your host, Mr. Still Not Worried. Miles, left-handed smooth operator, Davenport. How you feeling today, man? I'm feeling good. It's a Friday. Weekend's about to start. I wish the weather was still hot, but hey. I, I can only ask for so much. Yeah, it's Jersey, man. You know how, you know how I go in Jersey. But we also, it's Friday. A lot of music has dropped this weekend. A lot of good music we're going to listen to. Um, this week, you got 2 Chains drop music. You got Future and Lil Uzi Vert. I saw you was listening to that earlier. Masego dropped music. Danny Lay dropped music. Um, and one of our guests that will be on the show next week, Worldwide Bino dropped music. She dropped the EP, Bino and Friends, the Aftermath. Shout out to Worldwide Bino, Josh, Thomas, Ty, all y'all. Shout out to y'all. But um, it's, it's an exciting weekend, man. It's a, it's a lot been going on with sports, with basketball. For everybody that knows, it's going to be a jam-packed show. It is going to be straight NBA talk. Uh, we promise y'all that content. We promise y'all we're going to give y'all our thoughts on the free agency, uh, the draft, everything like that. One of the biggest things that came out is Houston, we have a problem. Houston seems like they might be on their way to rebuild. You have P.J. Tucker, who is upset with contract talks. You got Austin Rivers, who don't like his role. You got players subbing, saying that, you know, the organization doesn't hold heart and accountable. And then you, of course, got Russ, who wants out. So... What's your takes on what's everything going on with Houston? All right. Is it seeming like, you know, Houston's going to be in the in the lottery for Jalen Green next year? I don't know about that, but I think that it, it could look a lot different than they did when we last saw them in the playoffs. Like Russ, it seems like he wants out, and that's sounding like it's going to happen before the season starts. So that's going to be a big piece they're losing, but – I also saw somewhere that even in a trade, Paul George might come over. So that it might it might work out in their favor, honestly, because I don't think Russ and Harden really mesh well together. Like at least Paul George can shoot like Russ is kind of he's hit or miss. Some games he can hit other games. He looks like Shaq shooting threes out there. So it's not it's not pretty in Houston, but like P.J. Tucker. He's asking for more, more money, but I don't know how much more he wants, honestly, because it's like you're like a Draymond Green-ish type of player. Like you, you're low maintenance. You don't need the ball that much. You hit open shots in the corner. Not everywhere else, just in the corner. And you play defense. That's about it. Like there's money to be made in the league for guys like that, but I'm not going to pay you like, 12 15 million dollars just to do that like you got to be able to dribble or something you can't just three-point shoot I know I know guys that can do that that aren't in the league um and Austin Rivers like you said Austin Rivers is unhappy I don't know what he expects out of this like there's a new coach coming in maybe he stays and they start him alongside Harden or Maybe he's got to go because he was doing well off the off the bench for for the Rockets down the stretch. Like he was playing well, and he's never been that kind of starting point guard type of player. He's 
he's more of that off the bench spark plug that that gets you a few points here and there and when guys are hurt he can he can fill in for them but he's not he's not somebody that I'm I'm really going to elevate and he's not going to make that big of a difference for for the Rockets so there's a lot to unpack with the Rockets but I mean they're not even going to let the head coach buy a house out there before they start moving out to I mean what's going on <laughs> Yo, I think something that needs to be talked about, which uh, we've talked about off camera, um, it has to, at this point, have to have a discussion of, is Harton the problem? Like, we have to really look at Harton. I mean, it was even reports coming out saying that one of the things Austin Rivers didn't like was during the regular season, Harton missed the free throw and yelled at Rivers and blamed it on him because he was standing up on the bench <laughs> and it distracted him. So things like that, you uh, CP3, they almost make the finals. CP3 is a reason to blame. He's shipped out of there. This season, oh, they should be making a threat. They should be a problem uh, for the Lakers. They don't get past the Lakers. We all look to blame Russ. When I say we, we talk about fans. We talk about people in the media. Is Russ blamed and Dan Tony in the system? I haven't seen many people hold heart and accountable for Houston's lack of success. Me and you have talked about it. I think Harton plays a factor in why they aren't successful. And I think he's kind of having that Kobe effect in regards of, remember the three to four years, nobody wanted to come play with the Lakers. Nobody wanted to come play with Kobe. I think that's where Harton is heading down, um, down that path of ain't nobody going to want to play with him and he's not going to win. And Kobe said it, rest in peace, Kobe. His style of play is not going to win a championship. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. I'll edit that part out. <laughs> we can edit that part. But, nah, like like you said, that, that style of play doesn't win basketball games. It's more of like it's a flashy, fun way it's what you want to play like on 2K, but I mean, 2K is not realistic. It is to an extent, but what you really need to do is play team ball. You got you got teammates for a reason. You're not just out there dribbling 35 times a possession and scoring points every time, hoping that wins games. Because, I mean, it's shown to win games in the regular season, but I don't see any rings on his finger. So... Clearly something's up. Something's got to change. And maybe he's got to change his mentality. Like I was saying before, and like a couple weeks ago, he, he might just have to change his style up. Maybe he, he doesn't bring up the ball as much. Maybe he plays a little off ball at the same time he's playing with the ball in his hands. Cause honestly him dominating the ball hasn't really brought as much success to the Rockets as people would think. Like, it's kind of like a facade. Like, regular season success is nice, but, I mean, teams want to hold banners. They want to have parades. They don't They don't throw parades for winning 50 games in the regular season because, I mean, if they did, Charles Barkley would have a lot of those. But, I mean, D'Antoni, D'Antoni might have some personal banners inside his house. Like, hey, another season, 50 wins. We led the league in scoring, but – Hey, that doesn't necessarily translate. So I thought maybe give the, the new coach a, a shot, but 
It doesn't look like Russ likes the direction of the team. Harden's questioning it. All these players are unhappy with their roles. I, I don't know. They haven't even practiced together with this new coach and seen what system he wants to put in. Like he just helped the Mavericks lead the league in scoring this past year, and still they're not going to give him a shot at trying. So I don't know. With that Rockers, Rockers drama, it's interesting. It, it could blow up at some point soon, and they might want to look into the future and get as much for, for Harden while he's still young and, and profit off him that way. But I don't know. It's not it's not winning any championships for them right now. Yeah, they talk about Harden might be traded to uh, Philly. Um, uh, I don't know about that pick. Uh, like I said, in my opinion, I think regardless of where Harden goes, if he's playing that style of basketball, it doesn't matter if you put Shaq with him, you could put LeBron with him, you could take Michael Jordan in his heyday with him. I don't think it would work that system. Uh, but it's been a lot of trade rumors, a lot of smoke screens, a lot of stuff being reports and Woj is working and Shams is working and Yahoo Sports and Chris Haynes, they all putting out different reports. Uh, of course, we start off with Russ, who's being reported, can go anywhere from the Clippers, Knicks, Magic, Wizards, Spurs, Hornets. For you, which team makes the most sense for, uh, for Russ? Honestly, it's the first team, as you said, the Clippers, because they're a win-now team. That's basically what Russ is screaming out behind the scenes, that he's, he wants to win. He doesn't like the direction that the Rockets are heading, so he wants to win. So, boom, now you go to the Clippers, you got Kawhi. You still got all these other guys, too, that can really help you get over the, the hump. Because maybe, maybe the Clippers think that Paul George was the issue on the team, and a lot of people were making fun of Pandemic P, but he's still worth a lot in this league. And he, he might just need a change of scenery just as much as Russ needs one. So you swap those two guys, and I think Russ could actually mesh a little better with Kawhi than, than Paul George because Russ can attack. He can attack, and that opens things up a little more for Kawhi, for some of those shooters that they have on that team. So I think – if they don't give up too many assets for him, maybe Paul George and a pick because Russ still has that big contract that you have to pay him. Maybe that works for the Clippers. I wouldn't go into panic mode with them just yet, but some of these moves, that's what they could be. Like they could think that we've got this small window here for a title. Why not shoot for the, for the moon and, and see if Westbrook can actually help us get over the hump. I think that will work for the uh, the Clippers um, and their interests if it was a straight up, you know, like if they get Paul George and maybe a draft pick or from what I was reading, uh, typically more than likely it's going to be Lou Will or Pat Bev or Trez in that mix. And if they do that, then I don't know. that That's key pieces for them. Yeah, well, it's, it's got to be Pat Bev because they don't like each other. That that wouldn't that wouldn't work. That's that's gonna be some awkward plane rides back and forth. <laughs> It'll be I funny know, though. I know Westbrook wants to win now, but uh, do the Rockets capitulate to what he wants, or do they get what's best for them? So 
I don't know. Um, it depends if Clips want to give up Paul George. Would that work with Harton? We'll see. Um, I think for the amount of pieces, because it's looking like they're going to be on the verge of going into a rebuild or restocking, I don't see them being, you know, in that top four or five team conversation next year. I say maybe I'm thinking the Knicks. Would it be the best for the Knicks? Probably not. But if they could get back, reports are saying that they would get back uh, Kevin Knox, 2020 and 21, 2021 first round picks. I think that's a lot that they would get back. Um, Kevin Knox could come in right now, make an impact, and then those draft picks would be huge and getting some young pieces to rebuild that team. Um, and the Knicks seem like the team is bite on that because James Dolan has come out in the recent days saying he wants one of these big names, whether it's Russ CP3, he wants a big name coming to New York this offseason. So I see the Knicks somewhere uh, <laughs> in the next couple of weeks making a trade that you probably won't like, but James Dolan will like. Oof, I will hate that move. I hope we don't try to trade for Russ because there's too many times the Knicks have done this where they try to get the quick fix. They don't, you know, play the long game and build organically. They try to, you know, put a, a, a Band-Aid over an open wound so quickly instead of just trying to let the air get through and let it heal. But I don't know. I hope the Knicks – I've seen the rumors too about the Knicks looking at Russ. And, I mean, it would – it's not like we're putting seats in the, the stands right now because probably there's not going to be any fans this year. So what's the point of, you know, bringing a superstar in and giving up all these pieces when it's not like we're selling out the garden this year, it's probably going to be empty. So I'd just, if I had James Dolan's ear, which I hope never happens, I would tell him, don't do this again. Don't do this to us again. This is not going to work. <laughs> I think also a possible uh, landing spot where they would get a nice amount of assets back. Charlotte is in the conversation. That would be that hookup with uh, Russ and Jordan since she is on Jordan brand. They're talking about the uh, Rocks would get back Batum, Devontae Graham, Malik Monk, and the number three pick of this year's draft. Is that the best thing for Charlotte? Maybe big name, first time having a big name really in Charlotte for the Hornets in a while. Um, I think it works for the Rockets getting Batum, Graham, and Muck, and the number three pick this year. That's a lot to get back um, for, again, even if they keep Harden. That's a lot of pieces that you now you got going around Harden. And young, young person, probably at a top three pick. Just so I mean, think. Honestly, the Hornets would be dumb. One, that would be robbery if they got Russ for just giving up that because basically you're just trading the number three pick. Like, I don't think they're going to sign Monk. He's been kind of shaky, and we know he's had his issues. But Batum, that's the main issue. It's like that contract should be immovable. Like, he, he's been awful. He's been awful since he signed that contract. And if they were able to get him off the team – I don't care if I have to pay Russell 50 million. That's a win. <laughs> that also, that already improves the team, but it also doesn't make sense because they have a couple young guards on their team. You get rid of 
Instagram. I guess you put them in that slot, put Terry Rose there at the two. I guess that could work. Um, I think it'll be, like I said, the Rockets will win in that. We'll get a lot of pieces back. And regardless, outside of one other proposed trade, Batum's contract would match up money-wise for Westbrook. And that would be a win in regards for the Hornets to get rid of him. So Batum's contract, like you said, is, is a pretty terrible one. But shout out to Batum for getting paid. One of the next players that everybody's talking about is Drew Holiday, one of the most underappreciated guards. Um, seems like the Pelicans are trying to shop him. One of the teams they're talking, well, it's a couple of teams, but you got the Nuggets, Nets, Warriors, Hawks, and Pacers as some of the teams that's up there, and the Celtics as a possible destination for Drew Holiday. Where do you think would be the best fit for Drew Holiday and his defensive talents and his leadership? Honestly, I think if the Nets could swing that trade, probably the Nets. It would probably cost them, like, Levert, Maybe Dinwiddie, maybe that last, that first round pick at the end of this draft. But if you can get Drew Holiday, that takes pressure off of Kyrie because we know Kyrie's not a defender. So now you could put Kyrie, I mean, you could put Drew on the better guard. And that really changes things up for them. Like he can play off guard. He's been playing off guard really for a while now, especially last year with Lonzo. So he's, he's already accustomed to playing off ball. It'll take an adjustment, but I think that team, which is already nasty, is going to be <laughs> sick if they get Drew Holiday on that team. Like, he's an all-NBA defender. Like, KD's already a really good defender. You got Jared Allen still, who's also a, a really good defender. So now this team's not on, only dangerous offensively. They have the defense, too, to match up. So that already vaults them probably to like a top two, maybe even the best team in the East, which is what they're going for. This is basically a three-year, we're going all in basically for a ring because I don't I don't think that these guys are going to stay after these three years. And I don't know if this will even work, but it's worth a shot. So I think the best best place for him is the, the Nets. But I also thought it was intriguing that the Celtics were looking at it too. But with that, I'm thinking, why not trade – if you're going to do that, trade Kemba in the deal. Because I think – I mean, Kemba's – he's good. He's, he's really good. But he's a liability defensively. He was hit or miss in the playoffs last year. Like, I think Drew Holiday slides in. He goes back to playing point guard for them. He's a really good shooter. You don't, you don't miss that much between Drew Holiday and Kemba. You actually probably gain a little bit just because you get that defender to go along with all those other guys you have, like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like that team, if they're trying to compete next year, be a top three team in the East, I would see what I can do because they do have three first round picks this year too. So they have ammo to blow if they want to get Drew Holiday. So they might not even have to give up Kemba, but I would at the same time look at moving Kemba, honestly. Yeah, if he does, if Boston is the landing spot, I get rid of Kemba. And also on the fact of that's less shots that need to go around um, between Kemba, Jalen Brown, you got Jason Tatum and Hayward still on, on the books. 
I would go with getting rid of Kemba because then now it's never been in Drew Holiday's career where he's averaging 20, 25 points a night. Even on teams where you would want him to do that, he still is facilitating. He still is managing the game. He picks his spots. So I like that pick, but I think the spot for him would be Denver. They're talking about Gary Harris, Bowl Bowl, and the 22nd pick and the lottery pick in 2022 for Drew Holiday. Gary Harris, you get him out of there. He didn't really play that well in the bubble. Um, He's not living up to what they wanted in regards to having that two-guard system. You put in Drew Holiday with Jamal Murray, Jokic. Now you got Drew Holiday as a defender, would take some – pressure off of Murray. Murray might not have to guard the, you know, the most explosive guard. So you put Drew Holiday on him, get some of the uh, ball handling uh, responsibilities to him, and he's able to find them in the right spots. Jamal Murray doesn't have to, you know, go one-on-one the whole time. I think that's a good trade for them, and I think that puts Denver in the top, top team to contend with the Lakers next year if you get Drew Holiday on that squad. And it'll be good, I think, for Bobo. He'll be going to somewhere where he could probably get some playing time. I don't think he he's getting playing time with how the Denver Nuggets squad is right now with Porter Jr. You still got Jokic. They probably going to sign back Jeremy Grant. It's not going to be, you know, you feel me, a lot of playing time there for Bobo. Next person we saw that was part of the trade rumors is Aaron Gordon. A lot of people are thinking, a lot of reports are saying that it's Aaron Gordon along with that 15th pick for the Magic to try to move up in the draft. Uh, where do you see Aaron Gordon being a good fit? That's a tough question because he's kind of a, a tweener. Like he's he's not that big for a power forward, but he's also a little too big for a small forward, which he's, it almost seems like he tries to be. So, I mean, if you're going to trade him along with that 15th pick – I mean, I would I would look at the Bulls as a place. There's not many places for him, especially with that contract. But yeah, the Bulls, if they're moving in a, a younger, younger way, honestly, that makes sense. You get the pick, you get Aaron Gordon, you probably trade Laurie Markinen in that deal too, because I don't know if they really know what to do with him. Like he could be good, but they haven't used him the right way. So you get him out of there and then you see what you got. You got Levine, Aaron Gordon, 15, 15th pick. Plus you have your pick too, which is a top 10 pick. Bulls could be looking, looking okay in the next few years. They're not, I don't see them as like contenders They're not, this is not a flashback to the Jordan era, but this could be the start of something good. Maybe turn them into a playoff team. Cause it doesn't take that much in the East. You could be 35 wins deep and be an eight seed. So I think that's his best bet. Yeah, um, he's not what, you know, Orlando has wanted or expected since drafting him. Uh, I think maybe T-Wolves, you could send them over there. They sip uh, James Johnson in a draft pick uh, for Gorton there. You have your, per se, big three. Uh, they're looking for that other young piece. Of course, Minnesota wants Devin Booker, but we don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. The Phoenix Suns 
I don't see them giving up Aaron Gordon just I mean um Devin Booker just to appease Minnesota, just to appease Devin Booker because he wanna be there. They don't have assets to send back to Phoenix and especially how they played in the bubble. I can't see them getting rid of Devin Booker anytime soon. What I would see though is them trying to get assets to have Devin Booker stay, to prove to him that they're trying to get to the playoffs. Um, but T Wolves, there'll be another young piece right there in Aaron Gordon. Instead of Devin Booker, you put a little big three. You got D'Angelo at the one. You can put Aaron Gordon at the three, Cat at the four or the five. That's a pretty big funk court right there. It's not the best fit on that team because, I mean, Aaron Gordon, he's worked on his shot, but he's better, you know, closer to the rim. And Cat, I don't know. I just don't see that as a great fit if they do try to work out a trade like that. It just But Cat is really turning into that stretch five, so it'll be space down there. And I think part of the thing with Aaron Gordon, too, they tried to make him the franchise player, and that's not so if you put him on a team with Minnesota where you have your franchise player, he could probably flourish. He's not the main – he's not going to be that main option. You feel me? So it's not going to be that much on his shoulders, that much pressure. And Cat has been taking some of the most threes attempted a game for bigs in the last, like, two, three years. Stretch it out. We don't – I mean, I don't. I don't view Cat as a, your prototypical bang-on-the-post type of big. He's – the opposite of Joel Embiid. He rather stretch. He's more finesse. Now you're talking about Embiid. Embiid wants to go down there. So I think it could possibly work. I don't think any team, like they talked about the Spurs might be the option. The Nets might be the option. I think wherever Aaron Gordon goes, uh, it's tough. There's not that many options. There's not that many teams interested, especially with that contract and how he's been playing. So it's kind of like a toss-up. Whoever wants to take him so Orlando could try to move up. Another player that has been mentioned as a possible suitor to the Knicks is CP3. We talked about this back in, I think, March, and you were adamant you did not want Chris Paul on the Knicks. Um, Still don't. Only way I would want him is if we do take a a point guard at eight and he could mentor him kind of the way he, he did with Shea last year a little bit but even then I'd want the rookie to to get in there and you know figure out the league for himself that's what some of these guys have been given the opportunity like John Moran all these other guards that they've come into the league and been given a shot but I mean if the Knicks want to you know trade all those assets just to get Chris Paul and pay him like 45 million a year then I don't know what to tell you. It's just that same Knicks, not going to curse. Same Knicks stuff every year. So <laughs> I got to run this by you. Speaking of the Knicks, it's, yeah. uh, it's some reports of they are trying to get CP3 because this will be the, how do you say it, the domino effect you get CP3, Mello will come back. There's reports that Mello wants to reunite, and if they get CP3, uh, it's kind of, without said, it's uh, automatic that Mello will be back playing with CP3, his brother in New York. What's your thoughts on that possibly happening? I think that'll put you on the playoff conversation. It would. It could. 
I wouldn't even guarantee it it would happen, but definitely would make us a better team. But I don't know if it would be good for us because we got like a team full of young guys, which some of those will get shipped out if we trade for Chris Paul. I get that. But like Carmelo's not really a game changer anymore as far as like competing for championships. Chris Paul, he needs a better supporting cast in order to do that. But I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's shaky. It's, it'll be a shaky move to like, to try to win now when clearly we haven't won for a while now. So, I mean, we're picking in the lottery again for a reason. Let's develop these guys. We brought in like player development coaches to, to help facilitate this, this rebuild. So let's try that instead of like bringing CP3 in way after we could have or should have, and then bringing Carmelo back for what a farewell tour. I don't, I don't get it. I don't want it. Well, which team makes sense for CP3 now? It's been teams talking about Phoenix, 76ers, the Bucks, the Bulls, the Magic, the Spurs. I mean, it's a lot of teams that are interested in CP3. Uh, Miami's been put in there. Shout out to Miami. Karan Butler just got hired to be an assistant coach there, and they re-upped another year. Speaking of farewell tour, Udonis Haslam was able to finesse another, another contract out of Miami. And not as a coach, but as a player. But uh, <laughs> I mean, if they're gonna pay him two million every time he's about to retire, like what? That's like hitting the lottery. He doesn't have. He plays like twelve minutes a season, and that's not a game. That's a season. Like he gets in maybe thirty seconds at the end of a blowout. That's it. I don't know what what use. He's basically a player coach because I think Spolstra might get more playing time than him. So what team fits best? What team makes actual sense in your mind for CP3? I like that Suns move. Yo. I think that that Yo. would look really good. Like him and Devin Booker, because it would it would suck if Devin Booker had to get traded to, to do well. But I think the Suns, before they were this bad, they did have success with like D'Antoni, Steve Nash, Stoudemire, even back when Barkley was there, when they made that run to the finals. Like they've been good. They've had good seasons and a, a good track record, but it's been a little, little up and down as of late. But I mean, they do have some momentum coming from the bubble where they were undefeated. They look like one of the better teams. Maybe if they had more games to play, they could have made the playoffs, but that definitely makes them an attractive place to play. And if you add a point guard, which, I mean, Ricky Rubio's decent, but I think even if you don't watch basketball, you, you know CB3 is a better point guard than, than Ricky Rubio off, bat, off the bat. So I think they don't have to give up too many assets that, you know, kill the team and the chemistry that they had, then, yeah, I would go after CP3 and try to get him. And I think that's his best fit as far as coming in and helping a team turn it around. Cause that's kind of what he's being used as at this point. He's, he's being used as a, a fixer. He's like Bob the builder at this point, you, you give him an opportunity somewhere else and he turns it into to gold. 
I think we on the same page with that one. When I saw the Suns at a possible destination, um, and it's looking real like is they already the um, OKC gave CB3 permission. So it was really looking like Phoenix might be a landing spot for CB3, which I think that puts Phoenix straight into the conversation of that. Maybe beyond that AC, now we're talking about maybe a 6C, 5C with CP3. And all they got to get rid of really is like Ubre Jr. and Ricky Rubio. I think that puts them in the conversation. Um, they also mentioned like Philly, you know, him reuniting with Doc Rivers, but I don't think that'll be the best fit with Simmons, who seems like he needs the ball somewhat, playing a little bit point off the off the ball and and B. Maybe if we're going to give a second option outside of the Suns, maybe we could see the Bucks. They're making something happen. We talked about it. Um, the Bucks probably need somebody like CP3 because I don't trust, and many don't, Eric Bledsoe as your point guard to get you to the promised land. So if the Suns don't get them, I think the Bucks got to do everything in their power to make to make it happen. They got to get CP3 because – Eric Bloso is, isn't going to do it. You had CP3 getting the ball to Chris Middleton, Giannis in the right spots, and, and then you got the stretch fives with the low press brothers. Now you're talking about Milwaukee's at number one seed going to the finals. Um, Oladipo was up there. It was reports that he requested a trade in front of his teammates, asking other teams, like, yo, can I come play with you? He came out couple of minutes before our show started uh saying that was not true he's committed to Orlando uh Orlando he's committed to Indiana so he's off the off the books for a trade option as far as we know he wants to actually stay in Indiana uh but one of his teammates is definitely still up there in trade conversations Miles Turner who has become a stretch five essentially they tried it with him and Sabonis, and they like that combination. But it's a lot of teams interested in wanting Miles Turner. Specifically, you got the Celtics and the Hornets in that mix. Um, who do you think is the best fit for Miles Turner, or do you think that's a player that Indiana should just keep? I think for him, the best place probably would be Charlotte. But I think. Impact-wise, he'd be better on the Celtics just because he'd come in starting center right off the bat because they've been bringing all these journeyman centers over the last few years. And he'd already be better than all of them. And he'd add that defensive presence. He's a big – he's not supposed to be just chilling at the three-point line the whole game, which basically what he's – that's what he's been doing in Indiana. And that's not his fault. It's – it's just that Sabonis is a lot better than he is, and that's not his fault. But as far as fit, I think that would be a good fit because pick and roll, he can do pick and pop. He can pick and roll to the rim with Kemba or any of the bigs or any of the, the forwards on the Celtics. So he just adds a different element that the Celtics really haven't had in a while and just improves that defense, especially – if they could work out a Drew Holiday trade and a Miles Turner trade in the same offseason, then I think that already makes them like the best team in the East. 
Now, if you get Drew Holiday and you add Miles Turner, getting rid of Kimba and Gordon Hayward, I like that. Um, I think Indiana for them, based off of what, you know, the reports of what they'll get back, I think they keep them um, in their system. It was working him and Sabonis. Some injuries caused it not to, you know, to continue, and Sabonis wasn't in the bubble with them. So I, I think Indiana should keep them and try it one more year with them. Um, as you said, that's their offense style. He's shooting a lot of threes. So, hey, it was it was working a little bit last year, so why not keep them unless you're able to get something back? But I ain't seen nothing really that would be a win for them in yeah. regards to uh, one of the other teams that is looking for that third star to make that push in the West, though, are the Mavericks. Um, it's been linked from Bradley Bill to Dinwiddie. Who do you think would be a good fit as a third star for the Mavericks if they're able to get him? I think Bill, but I don't think Bill is up for an option. Um, yeah, it would probably have to be Bill, honestly, because they, they would just need a shooter alongside those three because Luka just breaks down the defense. Porzingis, he'll hang around the three, you know, run to the rim sometimes, but Bill – he could honestly open up that that offense even more and make them even more dangerous. That would probably make them like a a top three team in the Western Conference because they were already pretty good. Like they almost beat the Clippers, if not for Porzingis being hurt again, which that could be an issue. That might put a little pause on them making a trade because they just don't know with Porzingis. But I think Beal would be the, the best option. But at the same time, I don't think the Wizards are going to trade Beal. I think that they're going to try to work this out, make this work with him. John Wall's coming back, and he looks good. But it would definitely have to be a shooter. I, I would hope that, you know, Tim Hardaway stays on. Even though he's not a star, he did play well for them down the stretch. And maybe that's the route they go. Instead of shooting for the stars, as they say, you just aim a little lower and <laughs> – you're able to build a, a more balanced team, a deeper team, instead of, you know, being so top-heavy. Okay. I like that combination with Hardaway and Seth Curry coming off the bench, both mm-hmm. of them being shooters, and they both excelled in the bubble in the playoffs. I think they keep that – I think they should keep that same roster. Maybe they get somebody in free agency. If you keep those assets that they have right now, they're a pretty deep team, and you add – somebody in free agency, maybe another shooter, maybe another a big or a Shrek big, especially with Boogie's, Boogie's out. His injury. Maybe you add a Boogie in for you could get Boogie on the cheap. He's coming off another injury mm-hmm. instead of trading one of their assets. They, they were pretty deep last year, like to have the injuries and whatnot and still be able to almost beat the Clippers. You add maybe somebody to give Porzingis a break where in a 72-game season coming up, maybe you do a little bit of, you know, sitting Porzingis down every other game and you have another big come there. Maybe you, you give Porzingis the Kawhi treatment, you know? They gave up a lot, though. Like, I feel like at the end of this trade, once this contract's done, people should agree that the Knicks won the trade because even though we got Dennis Smith and he's a shell of himself, we got all those first round picks, which, I mean, if they don't win, if like Porzingis gets hurt, puts more pressure on Luca. 
and that puts less wins in the win column for them. So that gives us even better picks. So we kind of knew what was going to happen. We knew that Porzingis is injury prone. It's not a secret anymore. It's, it's kind of like patented in his game that he's a shooter and he gets hurt every year. That's, that's basically what it is. So I don't know. I think the Mavericks should just stand pat with what they have and not do anything drastic because it's not like they have that many assets to be drastic with. Like they gave us three first round picks. Like what? Now you're going to trade a sixth grader or a fifth grader, you know, down the line, basically what it is. Cause we've got like their next three first round picks after this year. So I don't know. I think Luca's good enough to put the team on his back. Clearly now just fill in those holes and those gaps where they, they, they lie. Yeah. Maybe you try to get Jordan Clarkson, a Christian Wood, maybe if y'all want to try to pay him, like, I think they should get something in free agency, not trading. Um, like I said, they have a pretty good young nucleus and to break that up to try to get like Bradley Bill, you're probably, it'll be the same thing with the Knicks. You're probably going to have to give up three, four assets for one person. And if y'all don't win, ends up not being the best trade in the long run. Uh, but free agency, it'll be two days after the draft. It's going to be jam-packed draft free agency. And then a week or two after that, you have training camp. Now, some of the teams that have the most cap coming up in free agency, Atlanta, they have 43.2 mil. Your Knicks, they got $41.5 million in cap space. The Pistons at 28.2. The Hornets, 22.5. Miami, who just came off of May in the finals, has $20.9 million in cap room. They could definitely make a splash in free agency. Then you got Phoenix, who has $18.9 million in cap room. Um, what teams do you see should be buying and going all in in free agency? And what teams should just, in your opinion, just, you know, pump the brakes and stay still? I mean, that Hawks team definitely – should they shouldn't go all in but definitely they should be very active in free agency because they got a superstar in trey young they got a couple young pieces along him alongside him cam reddish they got john collins they traded for clint capella too so now you have a defensive big now make some make some moves sign some other shooters sign some guys that can come off the bench and create noise maybe a clarkson like you said but they're definitely a team that should try to try to make some moves because if they don't, they're going to be stuck in this, this kind of like purgatory of mediocrity. They're not going to be that good. Like it's not a few, it's only a few years ago that they were, you know, the best team in the East. So why not try to get back there? Cause that was an attractive place. I mean, Atlanta, you know, they got, I, the, tra- they got the trap down there. So that, that's also an attractive destination, I feel like. But definitely the Heat and the Suns should be probably the most active teams in free agency, just off the fact that they're both coming off of pretty successful bubble runs, one more successful than the other. But at the same time, the Suns showed that they do have the pieces on that team to be good. They just need to, you know, 
get some better pieces to help, like maybe a better point guard. If there, there's a guy out there, maybe you look at Fred Van Bleet, see if he he would come to the Suns because he, he did say he's willing to go where the money is. And if the Suns, you know, they're willing to open their checkbook, I'm sure he wouldn't mind going to Arizona where it's, it's always warm. So that's a big difference from Toronto. Oh, Toronto. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't have to bring any of those bubble jackets that he he had, any of those Canada gooses. But, yeah, the Suns would be a, a good option for him. The Heat, I mean, this team, without those injuries, they were pretty good already and could have pushed that series a little further than it was. But you just have to look at fits. Like, I mean, Kelly Olenix, he's got the player option. He'll probably pick that up because I don't think he'll get signed for that much anywhere else. Um, Dragic, what, he's another one you got to you gotta keep an eye on. What do you think about – it's been rumored, you know, it's been thrown out there. What do you think about DeMar DeRozan going to Miami? DeMar, say it the less I like it, as Drake said. I don't know. I don't think that's a good – that's not a good fit because him and Jimmy, they play the same position, basically the same roles on each team, and I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a good fit. Hey, I had to run it by you. It's rumored out there. DeMar DeRozan has a play option. Many are thinking – He's not staying in San Antonio. Um, Gallinari is going to be a free agent out there. Hayward, player option. They're thinking he might take the bag or he might just get out um, to try to get a better role instead of backing up Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, I think one of the that we've got to see where he lands. He's going to get the bag is Fred Van Bleet. I think he's a big pickup, uh, but teams that should take free agency um, all in. I think your Knicks need to be getting some free agents, somebody with all that cap space. Um, I know you don't, you don't like anybody in free agency for y'all though. I don't, I don't think there's anybody really for us to sign in free agency. I mean, we have all that what cap space. We might just, I mean, he's, he's good, but we do have Julius Randle. So at the same time, we'd have to get him out of there, honestly, because he's not, he's not somebody I would want to build my team around or have on my team at all. So you could see why that's an issue. I mean, hopefully we try to move him at some point. I don't, hopefully when the season starts on the 22nd next month, he's not here, but I doubt, I doubt I'll get my wish. Um, but we have all this money. So I think with that in mind, I keep hearing rumors like they're kind of moving towards a win now mode, but also they might pivot and try to make a few trades where they have to eat some salary, where they get assets for the future, which it's not a bad move. We're not exactly a year away from a finals run or maybe a few years if things go right with these picks and, you know, some people finally decide that New York's a, a beautiful place to come. <laughs> but right now, it, 
I just I hope that we're not trying to go all in on a a run here just because we have Tibbs who's a good coach who's a winning coach doesn't mean that we move away from this youth movement that we've been in like we have all these young players and the coaching staffs before haven't done them any justice they haven't done anything to help them improve like Knox had a, a decent rookie season and then they sign Marcus Morris who starts over him so what, is, what does that do for his confidence and then you have the coach who's pulling him if he turns it over it doesn't really help so I, I don't know I don't think the Knicks should be looking to do what they did what was that 10 years ago when they they made that move for Mello like we were a good team already at that point and who's to say Mello wouldn't have come in free agency so I don't know I don't it's confusing. It's really confusing as a Knicks fan to see what direction we are going to go in. But I know many Knicks fans, we can agree that we're not going to win a championship anytime soon. So why not embrace this youth movement and develop these guys and develop from within? That's what some of the good teams have done. That's what the Heat have done. So that's all I got to say about it. You, you could, you could go. <laughs> um, all I could say, I hope y'all don't sign Jeremy Lin, who's actually coming back, and he's feeling that like he should have a good, good season coming up. So, as long as y'all don't sign Jeremy Lin in free agency and have Lin Sanity again, I, I uh, don't think <laughs> that would be the best thing. Um, you mentioned earlier how you think the Knicks probably gonna have zero fans, but. It came out Golden State already has planned that they will have 50% fans in attendance. Um, what's your thoughts on the Warriors having actually fans? And if the Warriors are having fans, is it a possibility you see this across across the board with teams? I think that for now, that's what they're going to say. But the later it gets into the winter months, like December, January, I don't see how you could have fans. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like we're, we're already moving toward like maybe another lockdown, which is not going to stop sports as you see, but it, it's going to slow up the process of bringing fans back into the picture. So I don't, I know it's a little, you know, lenient out there in California, but they're going to have to come back and look at the rest of the country and see maybe, maybe we don't do this right now. Maybe we, as a collective, decide that we're not going to have fans until it's safe, until everything's figured out. So. I think you're going to see though, it's going to be just like an NFL. You have certain teams having fans, some not. Um, I think like you said, it's pretty recent, pretty lenient. And I think you see in Miami also, uh, Miami, Orlando, I see like in Florida, um, maybe even Atlanta, I see them having you know, fans at their games because those typically so far as we're seeing are kind of more lenient. Even Texas with Dallas and San Antonio and Houston, you've seen NFL Cowboys, even though they shouldn't, just because how terrible they are, they have at their games. So I can see certain states rocking out and having fans at their games. It seems like up here, Jersey, Tri-State area, seems like, you know, we get it. 
regarding COVID. So I don't think you'll see fans at the Knicks games. Uh, one of the things uh, we have to talk about that we'll end off the show with is the NBA draft. October 18th is coming up. We're going to break down top 15 picks, who we think goes where, who we think stays, if they keep it or if they trade it. Uh, number one pick, as everybody knows, it's been well documented at this point, is the Timberwolves. Who do you think goes as the number one pick? I don't I don't know. I just don't think that it's, it's like so clear cut like most years where, I mean, last year we had Zion, other years, Carl Towns, Kyrie, LeBron. It's not like a clear number one pick, but I don't really see how you pass up on LaMelo, honestly, because he just has a different feel for the game that, I mean, that adds another element to that Timberwolves team and that could actually help them more than bringing in a scorer like Anthony Edwards because they have somebody like that on their team that they could just resign and Malik Beasley and then that be that. And then they have LaMelo who he can run that team. He might not run it off the bat, but he could definitely run that team and make the right plays because he, he's been brought up the right way. I mean, his, his pops is, he's an interesting character. So I don't know if he's going to like having him all the way out in Minnesota, but I mean, it's his career at this point. So I don't think teams should be scared off by the pops at, at this point. He's, he's just a voice in the background. LaMelo, he doesn't speak for LaMelo. See, I think they do draft Anthony Edwards mainly off of the fact of, like you just mentioned, Malik Beasley, who more than likely is going to want some money. If you're trying to save money, you draft Anthony Edwards, scorer, put him on the side of D'Angelo Russell, and you're going to get him on that rookie contract. That saves a bunch of money instead of trying to sign that Malik Beasley, which can be pricey being at his value for that team. So I see them drafting Anthony Edwards. I think, you know, that would be a better fit than LaMelo. If you're trying to keep D'Angelo happy, I don't think he was really on board. He, you know, played – professional and you know kept face but I don't think he was really would have been on board before even he got injured Steph Curry and him long term D'Angelo I think wants the ball in his hands pretty much um yeah. and he, he proved that in in Brooklyn they just went with Kyrie just like the Celtics did you had a proven with Isaiah Thomas you went for Kyrie Brooklyn D'Angelo gets them to the playoffs you go for Kyrie so I think he's proven he could be the, the main man. Yeah. I mean, I think this also could be a move that, you know, builds a little buzz around Minnesota. It's been kind of dry over there lately. There's not much to be excited about any sports to be excited about. So if you bring in LaMelo, who's, I mean, he's already got like superstar status out there. Like he's, he's been in the, the limelight since a kid. So He's not going to be afraid of the moment. He's not afraid. He's, he's ready for this. He's been ready for this. He's been prepared for this exact moment. So I think thinking about that and the fact that he's a really good player and makes the right play, he doesn't, you know, hunt his shot, which, I mean, Anthony Edwards, he'd probably be better suited going to the Warriors where they could kind of reel that scorer's mentality in a little bit and help him develop like a more team team mindset 
So, so I you think you Edwards going too. I would I would say so because I don't think that for the Warriors they don't really need to take a big that early. I think you could have Anthony Edwards as a scoring punch off the bench. You could sign one of these cheaper options out there. You could go after like Cauley Stein. You could even look at a, a Trez if he's a free agent. I mean, <laughs> there's a guy, there's a lot of guys out there that you could go with instead of drafting Wiseman, which they've been rumored to be looking at, but I mean, you, you don't really turn down an Anthony Edwards if he drops to two. Like he's, he's a top one talent. It's just, there's another top one talent who affects the game of basketball a little more than he does. So it is what it is. I think Warriors, that's how I see it going. I think the Warriors draft LaMelo and trade with Detroit, who has been said mm. to want him. I don't think he fits as well in Detroit as he would maybe in Golden State or even the Hornets, but I think that's how it's going to go. They'll draft um, LaMelo, trade him to Detroit, Golden State moves down in the draft to that seventh pick, and they get there big in that pick, in the seventh pick, instead of uh, at the second point. Uh, third pick we got is the Hornets. I think the Hornets, how my bracket is going so far, Wiseman is still out there for an option. I think they draft Wiseman. They don't really have a solidified big there. You draft Wiseman, put him with Terry Rozier, uh, Devontae Graham, Batum probably still be on the contract, Malik Monk, uh, Miles Bridges. You got a nice young nucleus there, and then you got your big now. So I think they draft Wiseman. Yeah, I think Wiseman's the pick if he drops that far. We, we don't know if any team's going to trade up. This is, I guess, just a draft without trades that we're doing. But, like, the Hornets – they do need a big. I don't know if they would draft Lamelo if he dropped that far. The only pick I I could see them doing maybe the the Israel kid, but um, Wiseman. <laughs> I don't really see how you turn down that guy because on a normal year he might be the number one pick. If he played the whole year in college, he might have been the number one pick, but. You know, he played maybe like five, six games, not as much tape on him, but you can't teach the the size that he has, like seven foot, can jump out the gym like that, defensive big too, and he can shoot a little bit too. So that'll definitely help Charlotte improve because they they definitely could use some improvements over there. I mean, yeah, I think. Wiseman, regardless, is going number two or number three. Um, whether that pick gets traded or not, he's already gave the cold shoulder. It's a foregone conclusion. He gave the cold shoulder to the T Wills. He's not trying to go there. So he's going second or third, whoever ends up drafting him, um, whether it's traded or not. I think there will be no, those first three picks. Definitely is going to be going up till draft night, like hours before, even during there those three picks are definitely going to be in conversation to be traded. So we'll see what happens. We're making our own educated guess on what's going to happen. I think Warriors actually trade their pick. That fourth pick, uh, we mentioned the Chicago Bulls, who are far removed from the Jordan glory days. Um, 
even the Depot's glory days is far removed from that. Who do you see them picking at that fourth fourth pick? Do they keep it or do they trade it? Uh, I mean, I would keep it honestly because they it's not like they can afford to just trade picks if nobody's coming there then this is their only option at this point so i would take the the israeli kid denny avija however you say his name i'm not trying to butcher it but i would definitely see him as a better option for them like he's six nine athletic he can play that like secondary playmaker role on this team and it, they don't need a point guard. They took Kobe White last year, and he's he, he looked good in spurts. They got Levine, so they don't need a shooting guard. They got Wendell Carter Jr., don't need a big. So where, what else do you need? You need a, a small forward who can shoot, which he's young, but he's been playing pro for years now. So usually those overseas players come over a little more ready than some of these like high school, college kids to play in the NBA. Usually, there's always that, you know, outlier like Darko Milicic, which I'm not comparing him to him, but that's probably what scares some teams off from taking European guys before Luka came. Because before Luka, people had their doubts about him too, but we see what happened with that. So that might start a trend where people start looking back overseas and taking those guys because they see, I mean, Luca came over here second year averaging almost a 30 point triple double. And I don't think we can expect that out of Denny, but I think he has attributes that can definitely help the bulls win, win some more games now, not win a championship, but get better. I think um, I will pick on Yeke on a Kongu, I, I don't want to butcher his name. You add him to the uh, to the mix with a Wendell Carter Jr. That solidifies, I think, your front court right there. He's versatile. Um, one of the people that he's compared to, I don't know if he's there yet or maybe he'll end up there. But Bobby Hurley compared him um, to Bam Adebayo. So if that's his his ceiling and he can get there. I think that's a nice future piece that you have there with Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White. I don't see Zach Levine being in the mix in the long term. But if you had that, those big three, Wendell Carter Jr., Onyeke, and Kobe White, that's a nice big three building towards a future for a young Lupius. Yeah. You got next, number five, the Cleveland Cavaliers who have – they've been missing uh, LeBron, Kyrie – Richard Jefferson, they've they've been uh, pretty terrible since. Uh, Colin Sexton hasn't turned out to be what they wanted as of yet. Um, They was just in the top lottery pick last year. They got Darius Garland. Um, So they got two guards right there. Who do you see the Cavs taking? I feel like they don't have to look that far because he was in their backyard in Obi Toppin. I think that's probably their best fit. He – he brings a little flash, something they haven't really had since LeBron left. He's He was the best player in college basketball last year. So he's seasoned. He's played against some better competition than some of these young guys that you have to project. So you kind of know what he's bringing. Uh, he's an athletic power forward who can stretch the floor a little bit, 
defensively, he leaves some, you know, something to <laughs> to want. Like he's not the best defender, but some guys you can teach that in the league. You can't teach the athleticism. You can't you can't teach that that flair because I've seen him do some some crazy dunks in a, a game and. Not to say that's what's going to win games, but I think that after taking two point guards in a row, they're not necessarily going to be looking at guard right now. They're looking at, you know, a big. And he's probably the best big left on the board if we're taking Onyeka off the board. And, yeah, I definitely would like that that pick for them. I agree. I got Obi Toppin going there. Um I think is a no-brainer if he's on the board at that time. I think he'll be draft him. And when you in regards to defense, yeah, that's one of the things that they pointed out as something that he lacks in his game. But typically, who really plays good defense in the league? It's a lot of team defense, and you want to see lockdown defense. You want to see teams and players locking in on defense win the playoffs and the Cavs are not making the playoffs anytime soon. So go ahead and get that offense. And when they have allowed people to be in the seats, you're going to have people come to see your game because of OB um, Garland shooting Sexton maybe, but OB Toppin, no brainer draft him. Y'all not making the playoffs anytime soon. So might as well be an exciting team at least. Okay. Uh, the Hawks who have a, the number six pick. I think they go with Tyrese Halliburton. That gives him uh, Trey Young, who had one of the highest usage rates this season. That gives him a break. That gives uh, the opportunity when he comes off uh, the bench for Tyrese. Now you have somebody else who's a playmaker who can make shots. And you kind of don't, of course, they're not the same player, but you kind of don't miss a step. If you have to put Trey Young on the bench, give him a breather, you have that. And I'm pretty sure you could probably mix that up with having him on the court at the same time. So I think Tyrese. Yeah, I agree. I think Tyrese is their, the pick that they're going to make here, honestly, because he's he's a good secondary option. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands, which, I mean, Trey Young, he won't. So he's going to be a good spot-up shooter, which he had success in college doing that. And he's a defender. He. He can play defense. He's a bigger, bigger guard. Because I mean, Trey Young at his size, he'll he'll kind of get abused defensively. So now you can hide you can hide Trey Young on somebody who's not one of the better options on offense on the other team, and then put Tyrese on them, and that takes a little pressure off Trey, and maybe gives them a little more energy on on offense. So I think they have a nice young nucleus here. And depending on what they do in free agency with all that money, they could they could be looking pretty good over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think for them it's huge what they do in free agency. You know, with John Collins there, Trey Young, um, you add Tyrese. We'll see what they could uh, what they could do. I think they still who they draft last year. Um, they drafted Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish started to kind of come on at the end of the year. If you could get a full season of Cam Reddish playing well, as you said, that's a nice young nucleus, and you add some veteran leadership, I think, to that mix. Um, like they said, Bench Carter was huge for them, even though he retired, but that veteran leadership to 
help them get into the conversation. Ninth, tenth seed this year, like you said, the East is weak. You might be able to get to the playoffs with 30-35 wins. Um, next team who also has been struggling in the East, uh, Detroit. I already said I think they're trading that to Golden State. I think Golden State will take Denny Abdija. That's who I think they'll pick at that seventh pick. Who do you see Detroit picking if they still have that pick? Well, they don't have a point guard on the roster, really. I mean, they have Luke Kennard, who's a shooting guard. He's good. They drafted the the guy from overseas. Uh, I forget his name last year. Um, they still have Blake Griffin, but like I said, point guard is basically what you're going to need in this league. Like this league's basically a point guard driven league at this point. So I could see them since they're not really winning anytime soon going after Killian Hayes, the the young guy from France. I, I like him. He's, he's got the pick and roll game lefty. He reminds me of D'Angelo a little bit with that. What? Would you star him over D Rose? I think they're going to trade D-Rose. I don't know if D-Rose is actually going to, you know, make it to the start of the season. Because once trades go down, teams are going to start looking at the Pistons because D-Rose is still good. He could be an option for maybe, you know, the Lakers if it comes down to it. But I don't know if they, they're really looking at D-Rose as an option for the future here. So why not? try to get something for him now, take the point guard of, of the future. And then if they do get a pick from whatever team they trade D Rose to, then you just keep developing this team because the Pistons are kind of bare right now. They traded Drummond, probably going to trade D Rose. I could see them trading Blake, Blake too, because honestly he's being paid a lot of money for this team to, you know, either be hurt or, not do much for them. So there's a lot of moves to be made in Detroit, but this I think is the best one going forward. Number eight, the New York Knickerbockers. Who do you see Yaha picking at that pick? Who do you guys want? I mean, honestly, I hope Killian were to drop. That would be my number one point guard if LaMelo's not available, but if he doesn't, which in this mock draft, he's not, I like Kira Lewis. I like Kira Lewis from Alabama. I think he would give us a, a different looking point guard that we haven't seen in a while. One that's lightning quick. He reminds me of a mix of like De'Aaron Fox and just not, a, and John Morant, but just not as explosive, like jumping wise as him, but same, same type of speed. I see him as somebody that we could bring in. He played well down the stretch last year and showed that he can play this position at the next level. And he's young. Like, he's a sophomore, but he's the same age as basically the freshmen that are coming out right now. So I think if we're going to take a point guard, which seems like we've stockpiled point guards on this team right now, but – Hey, you don't you don't stop swinging until you you hit something. And I mean, we haven't hit on point guards yet, so we're gonna keep swinging. And Kira Lewis is definitely somebody I would like. He could break down the the defense. 
add another element, you know, open the, the offense up for Mitch, for RJ. Well, we're definitely going to need some more shooting. So that if we, we did later on in the draft, that's what we're going to be looking at too is getting shooting. But if Kira Lewis isn't the pick, I think Devin Vassell from Florida State would be the pick. That's all I see. That's a three and D guy. Um, being that y'all have so many guards, I was thinking that y'all wouldn't go with point guard, especially with y'all being in the conversation of trying to get CB3 or Russ. I see you getting Devin Vassell, three and D guy. Um, y'all need defense. Put him on the wing. Uh, that takes a little bit of pressure off of RJ Barrett of having to be the best small forward or shooting guard. So I think they'll go with Vassell. Um, it's not that many options per se of like franchise changing players by the time you get to that eighth pick because it's not that deep of a uh, draft, I don't think, this year. Uh, 2021, 2022, those next two years, I could see y'all still being in the lottery and I could see y'all getting some uh, nice picks then. I think y'all be in the top three over the next couple of years. So depending on y'all. Hopefully next year is the last time we were talking about this. Cause I, I wouldn't mind being in the top three in next year's draft. Cause those, those young guys coming in definitely could be good options and would help us moving forward. But after that, I'm done. We need to start winning at some point. Cause I can't, I can't keep looking at these seasons as development seasons. I want to see some wins and playoff runs and, maybe even making this an attractive place to come. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know the active part. I don't know how long that'll take before that happens. But speaking of young players, again, that you're looking forward to in the next couple of years, you had Amani Bates balled out yesterday, Chet balled out yesterday. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't like how Mikey Williams played or Braun. Bronny played, but it's only the first game this season. Uh, but the future is bright coming up for this draft. That's a lot of a lot of talent coming in. So I think y'all got y'all got that to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, we definitely are gonna start scouting the young players coming up in high school for sure, because they could be on our team in a few years, but hopefully, hopefully things get turned around. Hopefully we get a few more wins in the win column. We get a few more stars that want to come here. Yeah, that's all I got to say about us at this point. Number nine, Wizards. Who do you see the Wizards taking at that ninth pick? I think they do have scoring on this team already. They've got Hachimura. He's a good piece. Got Bradley Beal still, John Wall, but... They just need like a defender. So I, I like Okoro, Isaac Okoro from, I just butchered his name though, but from Auburn, he he stands out to me. He's got the NBA ready body. He's raw offensively, but most of these guys are coming in, but he's probably the best defender in the draft. So if you wanna help this team win, which this team could win next year, Bring this guy in. He can play defense, NBA defense, off the bat already. He's just going to need some development on the offensive end, you know, work on his shot and all that stuff coming up. 
Yeah, I got him going to the Wizards too. I think he'd be a 3D, 3D guy, like a Roberson or something like that. Um, you then take the pressure off of Hachimura. He doesn't have to defend the best you know, three or four guys. So I think that's a good pick for them. Number 10, the Suns. I think they go with Killian Hayes. I think if he's still available, he'll be a facilitator. Um, if you have Ricky Rubio still, he learns from Ricky Rubio, who was one of the best facilitators, or if you have CP3, that's still a good pick for Killian Hayes to learn under and probably develop more of the offensive scoring ability, you know, being able to be a threat and scoring aspect. But facilitating would be a perfect fit for the team that they have, even if no trades happen with Oubre and Devin Booker and uh, DeAndre Ayton, you don't really need another per se scorer. You need probably a four general, maybe some extra defense. So I go with Killian Hayes at number 10. I think because in my mock draft, he drops this far, but I think Vassell from Florida State would be a good option. Another shooter on this team, they might, you know, go out and get a point guard. So they're not necessarily looking at the draft for, you know, a raw point guard to come in and lead this team. Cause I feel like the Suns are looking to win sooner than later. So bringing some guys, you know, college guys who work hard and Vassal, he's, he's a good defender. He can hit the open three, which I mean, with a Devin Booker led team, you're going to have, options and you're going to get looks on the wing so you need some guys who are going to hit shots and I think three and D is maybe not what teams are looking for this high but I mean a couple years ago they took Macau Bridges and he's turned out pretty good for them so why not test your luck with Devin Vassell and see if you can hit twice because you're just helping to build this roster at this point because most of the time you don't need to, you know, just build through the draft. You can put pieces here and there, young pieces that you develop, but the faster way is to, you know, sign guys. So if they do go after somebody like Fred Van Vliet, then you don't need a point guard. You don't even have to look at it. I wouldn't even want to look at Ricky Rubio if I could get Fred Van Vliet, because honestly he's better than him. But I think Vassal is the pick here. Number 11, Spurs. I think they go with the athletic, versatile, big Patrick Williams. Who do you see the Spurs picking up? Same. I, I like Patrick Williams. He's kind of gone under the radar. He's he's a bigger, like, bigger-sized college kid for his age. Even though he's not – he doesn't have the height, he's got the size. So, I think, especially with – Popovich still there. He's looking at this as like a sleeper pick. Like, oh, I feel like he he thinks this could be a steal getting him here. Because if you help develop these guys like they've done time in and time out, then you get a steal in the draft. That's where you get, you find a Kawhi Leonard, you find a, a, a Ginobili, or you find a, who else is there? Tony Parker. Tony Parker. Yeah, you find guys like that. Even they used Dewan Blair, an undersized big, and they were able to get good minutes out of him. I think, honestly, the Spurs could draft me or you, and it would still work out well. They're, uh, the way that their organization is and how they develop their players, 
I wouldn't be surprised with this pick if they pick somebody from overseas that we have no idea about and they might keep them over there on the shelf for like a year or two. So Spurs is always up in the air. They, I think Popovich probably got maybe one or two years left before he's out of there. I don't think he continues. Probably, yeah, I, I agree. But while he's here, he's going to put this team in the best position going forward that he can. So I like that pick as a probably a sleeper pick that maybe years down the road we won't see until – you know, all these guys are grown that this was definitely the right pick. Number 12, Kings. I think they picked Sadiq Bay, stretch four kind of for their team. Um, I think the Kings organization in general is kind of in shambles. They need to figure out what direction they want to go in. You got a good piece, obviously, De'Aaron Fox, uh, but I see them driving Sadiq Bay. I think. With all the rumors surrounding Buddy Hield, if they do trade him, you got a clone in the draft in Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. Like he's a good shooter, probably the best shooter in the draft. You're getting him on a rookie deal where you're not paying him as much. Like it's a steal. Like he's older. He's 21, which I mean, <laughs> saying 21's older is funny just because that's not old at all. But in the NBA draft, that's ancient for them but that just means he's seasoned he's been in college developing he averaged like 23 a game last year in the sec which in my opinion is the best conference in college basketball so you got that going for him i think this is like an easy pick if you do trade buddy healed which he seems a little unhappy over there they don't really know what they're doing with him then <laughs> we see we see what they're doing. We see they're moving forward in, in the right way because they'll get assets for Buddy Heald. He, he's definitely going to have some suitors out there that are going to want to trade for him because this is a, a three-point league now, and Buddy Heald's shown that he can hit threes time in and time out. Yeah, I think, like I said, they got to figure out what they're doing over there, the Kings organization. Uh, they're pretty much a mess. Commentator getting fired this offseason – Luke Walton is on the hot seat. We don't know if he's the right pick. Vladi Divac stepping down. They, they got too much going on in Sacramento. Um, 13th pick, you got the Pelicans. Um, who do you see the Pelicans picking up with this pick? With this pick, this, this is going to be a tough one because you got to see how they fit with, you know, Zion, which he's not exactly going to be <laughs> – stretching the floor anytime soon. But yeah. if I didn't make that pick with Neesmith, I would have put him over there in, you know, in New Orleans. But since I did, I would take Sadiq Bay and put him in, in New Orleans. I think he's a stretch. He could play that stretch four role, probably a small forward role for them, which they'll probably have locked up for the next – five, six years with Ingram, but you need guys who can shoot, especially around Zion, who's shown he's a good facilitator out there. And you're going to have guys on the wing who are going to be sitting there open. He's one of those guys who can shoot. Like he shot over 40% from three in college. And I mean, Villanova guys have shown a tendency to do well in the league. So I, I believe in like the player development over there. 
And that's all this is going forward for the, the Pelicans is finding guys that are going to develop, that are going to mesh well with your stars who, I mean, you look at it, their only stars are Zion and Ingram. But if you hit on some of these picks, that's all you need. You don't need to have a million superstars coming out of every draft because you're not going to find superstars in every draft. But, yeah, I think you go shooting here and call it a day. You could go guard here if you're thinking that they might trade Lonzo, which might not be the worst decision. He's not really that good at shooting. So if you do that, I would go with Tyrese Maxey. I don't think looking at it, I'm not sure if he'll fall this far, but for them, that could work out. He's a combo guard who could come in and already offer them more than Lonzo's given them offensively. I think they go with Jalen Smith, um, stretch big. He also performs well at the rim. So that gives space to Zion and Zion still outside of, you know, the fast breaks and things of that nature. Jalen Smith is a better, I think, performer over the rim right now. Um, And you could see him maybe matching up, you know, putting him side to side with the pick from last year with Jackson Smith. So, I go with Jalen Smith in this area. He uh, he could stretch the floor also, and he could play in the paint. So I think you go with them. Number 14 pick, the Celtics. I don't know who's getting this pick, but I think the Celtics are trading that. It's already rumored that they're thinking about trading three of their picks to try to get a higher pick to then trade to get Drew Holiday. or They're not keeping this pick, I don't think. Celtics is getting rid of this. Yeah, I think they're going to trade it too. But if they do take it and – if the mock draft goes, as I said before, I'm going to say Maxie from Ken- from Kentucky, honestly, because as we've seen, Kentucky players usually come out the draft and people sleep on them because you don't see the, the crazy numbers in college, but that's because Calipari develops them the right way, has them playing team ball and makes them willing to, you know, do a little less to help win and that goes a long way. And with that, sometimes you'll get a diamond in the rough. And I think Maxi could be one of those guys who's a diamond in the rough. So, similar to Devin Booker, similar to Tyler Hero, you got these combo guards who come out, can score the ball, can shoot. And I think he's just, he's aggressive. The way he attacks the, the, the hole, that could add another element off the, the bench. And with the Celtics, they've had so many first picks that they just, could stash and with this team they can kind of afford to stash some of these picks and just develop them for down the road is it's a good method that Danny Ainge has because I mean Kemba's only getting older this could be his replacement right here moving forward and who knows Kemba might be here next year but the year after that it's not a given you might move on from him so you'd have his replacement on the roster already you don't have it's always about forward thinking with these things and if you're thinking ahead, I think Maxi's the best pick here. And, you know, don't overthink it. <laughs> uh, who do you see going for the last pick that we'll be touching on, the 15th pick in the Orlando Magic? I'm going to go with the surprise pick, which, I mean, coming into the year wasn't a surprise, but he's fallen a little bit. But 
Cole Anthony, I could see going here. Because I don't know if they necessarily trust Markel Fultz as the point guard there. Like, he's good. He's good. He had a, a decent year last year. But it, it doesn't hold up to what people thought he was going to do in this league at this point. Like, his shot is still shaky. It's, it is what it is at this point. He's, he's good going to the hole. Like, he's explosive. But until he figure, figures out that jump shot, I don't know. But Cole Anthony, I think he could be that point guard that they're looking for. He struggled at UNC. I mean, his numbers weren't as good as they could have been, and that's mainly because UNC was terrible. I think I would have rather have gone to Greensboro than Raleigh last year because there wasn't much talent on that roster. So I definitely think he's going to be better in the league where there's more spacing. And there's not as many people with their eyes on you, just focused on you on the court. And with this Magic team that just made the playoffs, who knows if they get a, a good point guard who can come in and and play well. Like this is a kid who was the number one point guard in the country last year, and you're getting him at 15. Like sometimes you take a chance on guys that fall in the draft just based off of talent and knowing that, hey, they might have had a rough year in college or wherever they came from, but if we believe in our, our player development, then we take this guy because he has that talent. He's a lot more talented than some of these other guys that we could take, but sometimes you got to take a risk in the draft. And this is the best risk here. Uh, I had Cole Anthony too. And I had as a uh, option was Kara Lewis Jr. As another option, if he's available at that point, because I don't have him being picked in those top 14 picks. So I would say it would be between those two um, if Kara Lewis drops. If not, and he's picked before that, I say Cole Anthony is the right pick. Um, some later picks, that's some sleeper picks that I think are still going to have impact, uh, whether it's later in the first round or that second round. I think players you got to watch for are Trey Jones, Cassius Winston, and Cassius Stanley. I think those three players, they're not going to be drafted in the top 15, but I think they're going to have nice impacts on the teams that they get drafted to. I agree. There's a lot of there's a lot of late round picks that can really hit here. And many, many times you don't even need a pick. Guys go undrafted, like Fred Van Bleed. He's up for a eight-figure contract and he wasn't drafted. So it's all about developing these guys. The draft is what it is. Like you you take guys on potential, but it's up to you to develop them and see if we could turn that potential into something substantial, so. And these later picks, um, they might they might not like where they got picked, but they'll be more than likely going to playoff team. So it'll be hopefully being able to make an impact on a playoff team straight off the back. And you're talking about starting off your career. And you didn't get check that you wanted, but Cassius Winston, who's a, you know, is saying that they're probably going to draft the Lakers. Hey. I don't mind starting off. So I'm, I'm probably going back to the championship and I play with Bron and AD. That's not a hey not if, a start. If I'm y'all, I'm looking at the guy from San Diego State, the, the Malachi Flynn kid, because okay. he's good. He's slept on because, I mean, he's older. I guess this is what happens if you, you know, stay in college too long, which I didn't know that was a thing now. You they really want you to leave early and that makes you more likely to get drafted. But these young guys, 
well, older vets coming out of college, they're usually going to go to these deeper teams at the end of the draft, which, I mean, it, it works out. you got Caruso, who he played a big role for the Lakers last year. There's plenty of guys like that. Even Kuzma left after his junior year in college. So I don't think that people should really pay attention to how long a guy's been in college and whether or not like they've reached their ceiling. Like you take guys who are good and then worry about all that other stuff later on. You don't want to really bet on projects and hope that, you know, you can develop them and you can see what they're going to be like in the future and hope that it, it fits your timeline. Cause it's not always going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think you chose the wrong person. That example right there is Kuz being uh a lot of people don't. <laughs> I mean, Cruz, as all, for all his you know flaws, he has like maximized his talents and potential to put him where he at, where he's at at this point. But you know, he does leave a lot to be desired. But I mean, Cruz is Cruz. He's he'll give you thirty-five one night and you know five another. It, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, I think uh, we'll be talking about that on probably our next episode or episode after that, just talking about the myth of the earlier the better for uh, drafting when it comes to NBA players. Like, your stock for some reason goes down if you stay to your senior year. So I think that'll actually be a cool topic where we just break that down and just look at through history how, as you mentioned, players like Kuz or Caruso who stayed longer – and actually played well. It's like a give and take. You stay longer, typically you're getting a player that's ready to play right now. Younger players, you're drafted, like you said, off of potential. But that's the end of this show. Uh, we'll see what happens in the draft. Uh, we have a lot coming. We have a lot in store for y'all. Shout out to all of our listeners, uh, whether it's on our streaming platform, Spotify, Apple, whether you're watching us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share all that good stuff. Um, you already know the vibes. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace.